Every week we want to pray for people who have needs, and we've got some prayer cards that came in this week. If you've got a need, you've got something going on that you'd like prayer for, go ahead and just slip up your hand real quick. We're just going to pray for you. I see all the folks around this room. Let's pray. Father, we proclaim that you are worthy of it all, and we bow our knee to you knowing that you are capable of dealing with the situation we've got. So I pray, Lord, that you would be the God that that brings a reconciliation and healing to relationships, that you would heal our bodies, Father, that you would provide financially, you would provide jobs and whatever we need financially, Lord, that you would help us uh, guide our kids and, and to make them uh, more like you. Lord, we, we bow our knee to you knowing you can do this, but even if you don't, we're gonna worship you, we're gonna serve you, we're gonna lift up your name. I pray also, Lord, that you would speak to us your word, that you would change our hearts, make us more like you. We trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So next month, uh, Mosaic is turning 16 years old. Yep. We actually launched Mosaic September 7th, September 16th, 2007. So September 16th is Mexican Independence Day. I didn't plan to start our church on Mexican Independence Day, but God used, has used it to bring spiritual independence to a lot of Mexicans. So there's that, right? And a lot of other people. <laughs> and so uh, next month we're gonna be celebrating. You're gonna hear more about that. We have a special uh, service plan that day. Uh, but part of, part of launching a church now 16 years in is um, I, I got a, an invitation from a friend of mine who started a church uh, receiving network. What that means is over the, over the last 16 years, we have helped with our partnership with the Association of Related Churches. We have helped start all over the country over 2,000 churches just like this one. Yep. And so what that means is we resource churches, we give them money, and we send them to plant churches all over the country. But a friend of mine had a very innovative idea. He said, what if we started a network along the front range from Fort Collins all the way to Pueblo of receiving and so when someone feels called to come to Colorado and start a church, we would receive them and help them get connected to other pastors, to help them get situated in their city, and help them be successful as they start a church along this northern Colorado and kind of front range. And so he asked me, will you be a coach for this network? And I said, sure, this was about a year ago. And so I actually got assigned a church planter, and, and we started coaching him, and his church didn't work out. So I don't know what that says about me as a coach. Uh, <laughs> But through that process, I met a couple of, of guys that I was really impressed with and I wanted to be a part of what they were doing as they started churches in Colorado. And so you're gonna hear from one of them next spring, but uh, would you help me welcome today uh, church planter of Skyline Church in Denver, Adam Bailey, as he comes and shares a word with us. Thanks, Angel. Wow, what an honor and a privilege it is to be with you guys here today. Angel was actually, I met him like with that network. They did this thing called Shark Tank where we got to present our, um, uh, like how we're gonna plant. And Angel was on like the panel of judges giving feedback. And so I stood there for seven minutes and was like, this is how I wanna make disciples. And Angel was like, okay, here's what's good and here's probably what you should rethink. And so it was really a huge blessing to me, so much so that afterwards I asked him, hey, can we like hang out? And he was like, sure. So I drove up here and we spent some time together and he answered a bunch of my questions. So Angel's been a huge blessing to me. So we're gonna get into the text today, but before we do, I just, I just wanna tell you a little bit about me, okay? So this is uh, my fam. I got a four-year-old and a two-year-old monkey. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 12 years. 
All right, and, um, and, and so like I said, I'm a church planner. I'm from the, the Bay Area, California, like San Francisco, and I met my wife in Los Angeles at Azusa Pacific. And at the time, you know, my grand vision for my life, um, yeah, I, I told my wife this, is babe, one day I'm, I'm gonna make more money than my dad. It's gonna be amazing. She was like, okay. And then towards the end of college, something changed. You know, the Lord began to intervene. And I told her near the end of college, I was like, babe, think that I'm going to become a pastor. She was like, what? <laughs> How? What? I thought you wanted to be a finance major. I was like, I know, and that means our income's going to change, so no more guac at Chipotle, okay? <laughs> she was like, what? Where did this come? So we talked about that for, I mean, I actually worked in the marketplace after that for nine years. I worked in food, and, um, but I knew that the moment was going to come, okay? I knew the moment was going to come, and, and then eventually my heart moved from not only pastoring but also to plant it. And the way that that happened was, um, in 2016, my wife and I actually lost our first son. It was our, he was our first son, and we were at a family reunion and traveling, and there was like an umbilical cord accident within the womb. We lost him, we gave birth to him, stillborn. And that was, I mean, to this day, the most painful day of our lives. Most painful day of our lives. But you know what? We were a part of a church in Denver. And when we got back, everyone had heard. When we got back, they had gotten into our apartment, they put flowers everywhere, they put cards everywhere, they cleaned our apartment, they cleaned my bathroom, okay? They cleaned my car. And everything was different because of the family of faith. And not just the family of faith, but the father of the family, right? He, the Lord spoke to us in the midst of that pain. He drew us close, he comforted us, and we weren't alone. And because of that, everything changed. And I can remember one day sitting in my apartment, thinking about it all, and realizing that all the apartments around us, everyone I had met, and at that point we had been there several years, everyone I had met was, uh, was not a Christian. And I thought to myself, how different my experience of loss was because of the God who loves me, because of the church family. And I realized that not one person I had met, had they faced something like that, would have had anything like what I had. Anything like it. It would have been completely different. I mean, I not only had the family of faith in God to comfort me, but my God gives me hope. I mean, whose hands can I trust my son in more? Whose? There's none, because that is the same God that gave his son for us. There's no hands I can trust him in. Hear that from me. And so that was where, sitting in that apartment on my little couch, that was where the furnace started to burn in my soul to plant a church. I started to think about all the people around us and how much they needed the gospel of grace. And so, two months ago, we did. Two months ago, we planted a church in Denver. 21 adults and uh, four kids moved from Fort Collins. We had done a residency, a church planting residence in, in Fort Collins for two and a half years, and we moved down to Denver to plant a church. And look, a lot of them, I mean, they left their jobs. They left their houses. A lot of them grew up there. Lot, they left their friends. I mean, you should have seen like all the ceremony where they sent us out, all the, everyone's crying, all their friends, I'm never gonna see you ever again. I mean, it was, it, was, it was so emotional. And the reality is they did give up a lot to move down. There was cost. They did give up a lot to come down. And listen, if, if you're not a Christian here today, and you think to yourself, well, why would you do that? Let me, let me just encourage you. The answer is a person, not a principle. The answer is Jesus. That's why they were willing to do that. They wanted to take the light of the gospel to people who hadn't heard it to give them hope. And so two months ago, we all moved down, and we did. 
We did it because of Jesus. Why? Because as Christians, we're called to grow as disciples and make disciples. This is what we do. We grow as disciples and we make disciples. And so that's what we're trying to do down in Denver. And in fact, guys, just so you know, I think the main way that this happens, the main way that this happens is the local church. That's how disciples get made. And you know what? The local church also goes and plants new local churches. That's the main vehicle, the main way the gospel goes forward in the world. I think we see that in the Bible. And so, um, you know, we're gonna see this in our text here. And so I'm gonna be in Acts 14. Acts 14, uh, 19 through 23, if you guys wanna turn there, if you brought Bibles, okay? So, um, but, but let me give you the background first. Let me give you the background of what we're about to come to here. There's this guy named Paul. He wrote a bunch of letters in the New Testament. In Acts, he becomes a Christian. Jesus confronts him and saves him. And then Paul goes to this city called Antioch, and he's serving there. But then the Spirit comes and says to the believers in the church, set aside for me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have for them. So they go, okay. They set aside, and they sent them out. Sent them out across the Mediterranean to go and plant churches. This is actually Paul's first missionary journey. This is the, the route they took. You see it start there in Antioch on the far right. And then they go all the way around, and they start preaching through cities. They start going to cities, and they show up, they go to the synagogue, they preach to the Jews, and then they preach to the Greeks. And when I say preach, I mean they share the gospel. They share the gospel of Jesus. And there's tons of responses. A lot of people come to faith. And there's a lot of haters. A lot of people that don't like the message of Jesus and are fiercely opposed to it. Fiercely opposed to it. And so he goes through some of these different cities. He gets to a different Antioch in Pisidia, and then you'll see number six there, Iconium. And then he gets to this city called Lystra. Paul shows up in Lystra, preaching to these Greeks. And then there's a man who can't walk. And then Paul heals the guy in the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus. He heals him, and he gets up. Why does that happen? Because the Lord Jesus gives us signs and wonders to authenticate that the kingdom is here. You're not sure? Watch this. The power of the creator is breaking out in the world to save souls, okay? So this guy gets healed, and then the Greeks are like, oh, you must be a Greek god. We're gonna worship you. Paul, Barnabas, we're gonna worship you. And Paul and Barnabas are like, no, 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 no. We're here to tell you about the God. Tell you about the one who made all things. And they, they, they barely convince him. They're like, okay, all right, but we saw you heal that guy. And then we come to our text. And we come to our text. You ready for it? Acts 9, or 14, 19 through 23. This is what it says. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So we go from them wanting to worship Paul and Barnabas to this. Now, I got three things from this text. Three things that I think we see here, okay? Three things that happen 
as Paul and Barnabas go forth and make disciples. Here's the first thing. Ready for it? The gospel brings persecution. The gospel brings persecution. It brings people that oppose it. Check this out. Look at what it says in, in, uh, in 19. Look at this. Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Okay? Antioch is 100 miles away from Lystra. 100 miles away. They don't have planes. They don't have cars. They don't have electric scooters. They walked, you know. They walked from Antioch to Lystra to try and murder this dude. Think about that. Think about the type of hatred that's going on in somebody's heart that causes that. And they walk for, maybe you get 15 miles a day, 20 miles a day, maybe it takes a week. You show up to Lystra and then boom, all of a sudden, it says in verse 19, they stoned him. I don't mean Colorado stoned. I mean Old Testament stoned. <laughs> threw rocks, okay? They threw rocks at this guy and they tried to murder him. This is the group that was just worshiping him. Like, just earlier. All of a sudden, I mean, how fickle of a crowd. How, how, how fragile that all of a sudden they go from, oh, this is a god, to, oh, why don't we just kill this guy, right? Now, and look at what it says here. Supposing that he was dead. They dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. You know what that means? It means he looked dead, okay? He was probably just mauled. I mean, who I've never been stoned, but I, I assume you can tell that somebody got stoned after they get rocks thrown at him, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he's probably passed out. There's something miraculous had to have happened here for him to survive, okay? He faces significant opposition. And guys, look at what this came from. Don't miss this. This came because he shared the gospel. See that? Now, this is the first point. The gospel brings persecution. You will face opposition. You're going to face physical opposition, like Paul. Okay, I've never been, I've certainly never been stoned for the gospel. Um, and I've, I've, I've never been punched, nothing like that. Never shed any blood for the gospel. I've had some hard things happen, though. You know, I, when we were at that apartment building, I had very dear friends, neighbors next door. We talked about them with the gospel a lot. And one night, I think it was like a Sunday night. It was, a late, it was late. It was 11 p.m. We were talking with them. The, the ladies retired, and then he sits down for me across from me. Adam, your God wants to send people to hell. Think, think about that. He just gets in my face. He starts cussing me out, cussing God out. He's livid about this. We sit there from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m., okay? He just wants to talk about this. And so we start talking about justice. Hey, listen, the God of the Bible does not delight in the death of the wicked, but you can believe that he's just. He does not ignore evil. And he has, in fact, come to deal with it, and that is a free gift available to you. But he's just so angry about this. We go on about it for four hours, okay? Physical, weird social things that come from this, okay? You will also face spiritual opposition. You'll face physical opposition, you'll face spiritual opposition. When Joni and I were deciding to take this church planting residency, that week that we had to decide, okay, um, somebody breaks into my car, and then my other car, somebody pulls in down the alley, smashes into it, rips the front off, and drives off. And then the dreams start. I start having these horrific dreams, night after night after night, to the point where, like, I'm scared to go to bed. They're the worst dreams I've ever had in my life. It's not even close. Like, ten times. So much worse. And different terrible things in these dreams, right? And I, I was spooked, man. I was like... I knew that this was because I knew it was evil and that it was coming against us because we were thinking about planting a church. They're trying to intimidate us. 
And I was spooked, but then the Lord built me up. I was reading Nehemiah, and he encouraged me, like, look, you're going to get a clear calling from God, and then I need you to stand firm. I need you to stand up because it's a spiritual war. You're going to face opposition. The enemy isn't here. The spiritual enemy is not here to poke you in the eye. He wants you to be dead in the street. You see this? And I was like, oh, okay. I can stand firm. And then I had, like, everyone I knew pray, and the dream stopped, okay? And then I signed, and we, be and we became church planting residents, okay? And then when we were coming down to Denver, because we're going to plant in Denver, we need to plan, we need to go, where are we going to live? What's the type of place that we need to reach? Where is the gospel needed? We don't want to build on anyone else's foundation. Every time we'd come down, literally 90 plus percent of the time, our whole family got sick. Like, terrible sick. Like, I've got to take like three ibuprofen just to operate. It's like so difficult. And it gets to the point where every single time we go down, everyone gets sick. And I knew, I, I knew that it was like spiritually connected. And so I start to get like PTSD. I'm like, I don't want to go down to Denver because I don't want to deal with this, you know? And the apex of this, one time my wife was gone and I'm driving down to Denver with my kids. And uh, I feel kind of sick. And I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm in a barf. And, and so I pull over at the Starbucks off the 25, take the kids into the bathroom, lock the door, and I just like lean over, you know, the toilet. And I'm like, okay. And I try to throw up, nothing comes. I was like, well, maybe I just say something weird. Get back in the car, driving down, going 75. Kids are in the back. And I feel it start to come. And I'm like, I gotta get off the freeway. I gotta get off. And I start to pull off can't stop it. And I just launch all over my dash, flying everywhere. And my four-year-old's in the back like, Dad, what? Are you, are you barfing? He knows the word barf. Yes, but Dad's second time, twice, in the car, pull over, get out, finish in some random guy's yard, don't know who he was, get back into the car, splash down in the seat because, you know, didn't go anywhere. And I was just like, this is, I'm just traumatized. The kids were in the car. Like, I'm trying to, I'm eyes open, you know? It was terrible. And I was just like, what? This is heinous. I hate this. And then we had a lot of people pray for us, and it lifted. Started being able to go down. Nobody's getting sick. You'll face physical opposition. You'll face spiritual opposition when you come to bring the gospel. Okay? And guys, I, the text wants us to see this. The text wants us to see this. This happened to Paul on his missionary journey, and I think it presents a helpful question for us as believers. Most of us are probably never gonna experience physical violence for our faith, although, by the way, there's people in the world experiencing that today. But a good question for us to ask is, have we ever experienced any discomfort because we stepped out for the Lord Jesus? Have you ever experienced any discomfort for saying, talking about the gospel to someone? Did it get weird? They rejected. Were they like, no, you're an idiot, okay? Just a helpful thing to ask ourselves. Are you swinging over the plate the way that God wants you to? Because when you see the saints of old, sometimes they face persecution, not all the time. Sometimes people come to faith in droves and you see lives transformed. But sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard and it's a good question for us to be able to ask ourselves. So you might then say, what would I do with that? The cost is high. And, it's, and it can sometimes be terrible, it can sometimes be uncomfortable. Why would I do that? To which you go to verse 20 and you see, because you see the gospel brings persecution, but it also brings passion. 
it also brings passion. Look at what he says in verse 20. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. You know, the one that just tried to murder him? Wakes up, sees the disciples, and goes right back. Think about, what's, think about what it takes to do that. Think about what it takes to go back to the place that just dragged you out. Some of y'all, like, we can think of situations in which we do the same thing. You know, someone beats you up, they kidnap your kids, they drag you out of the city. You're going back, you're getting up, you're going to find them, right? Even something less than that, right? You're, you get beat up in front of the Bronco Stadium. They drag you out of the city. And somebody wakes you up and they say, the Super Bowl's tonight, the Broncos are in it. They're playing at mile high, and you say, but they never play at the home, at the home teams of the, of the teams that are in the Super Bowl. And they say, I know they made an exception this year and I got you, I got you field side tickets. You'd be like, I'm going back, we're going back, okay? And that's not even, that's just a one-time event, you know? There's things that, 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 we're, that we love and are so passionate about that we would do this for, right? And so the question is, is, is that the gospel one of the, one of the things for us? Is the gospel one of those things for us? Would the gospel do that for you? Look at this next part in verse 20. Look at what he says. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. Go First, he goes back into the city that tried to murder him. And then the next day, he's like, we're going to the next city. What's next? Doesn't take a vacation. He just rolls. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about the furnace that has to burn in a heart to cause that. Think about the passion that lights up person's eyes to, to cause somebody to want to do that. The next day, the next day, and here's the reality, guys. The more you understand what Jesus did, the more that passion fills your heart. The deeper you see your sin, because one of the things about sin, of course, is that it doesn't let us see ourselves right. It manipulates our own vision of ourselves. But the more that we see what Jesus did, what he was willing to do for you, the bigger the fire burns. The hotter the fire burns. And you see that with Paul. You see that with Paul. A heart filled with love for people and love for God. This is what it looks like. Many of you are great examples of that. Which is why, by the way, verse 21 happens. Look at what he does in Derby. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned. What did they do? They preached the gospel and made many disciples in Derby. And by the way, guys, make no mistake, this is what it takes to make disciples. You have to preach the gospel. No gospel, no disciples. The gospel is about Jesus. We're making disciples of Jesus. Now, maybe you're here today, you're not a Christian, or maybe you are, and you think to yourself, but what is the gospel? What is the gospel? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does that word even mean, gospel? I'm glad you asked. It's a word that means good news. Good news? Yes, good news, because you might have noticed that the world is a broken place. You've experienced pain, sickness, injustice. You've sinned against people and been sinned against. Just open up your news app, hit refresh. What do the top 10 things say? Is the world getting better? Or does it look like it's getting worse? Think about the heinous injustices that you've read about and seen and experienced. This, the Bible says, is because of sin. 
Humanity brought sin into the world. It broke our relationships with each other. It broke our relationships with the world. And most importantly, it broke our relationship with the God who put us there without sin. That's the bad news. But of course, we're talking about the good news. The good news is this, that even though the wages of sin is death, the cost of sin is death because God is just, because he's not willing to ignore, that's what goodness means. You take away God's justice, you take away his goodness. He's not the judge that lets the murderer walk in and just goes, whatever, get out of here, who cares? No. He cares about every terrible thing that's happened to you. And it will be dealt with. But here's the thing. It's got to be paid. But the good news of the gospel is that it doesn't have to be paid for by you. This is what I'm saying. Listen, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, came to earth, died for sin as payment, even though he didn't sin, was tortured on the cross as payment for sin, which he then gives to us that forgiveness. He gives it to us as a free gift of grace, unearned. That's good news, but it doesn't end there. In the end, when we die, he will resurrect us to a recreated physical heavens and earth. Not a weird floaty thing with harps and clouds, physical heavens and earth, every tear wiped away, Every, every sin wiped away, no evil, it's all gone, it's all made new. That's where we're headed for those who have faith in Jesus. That's the good news. That's what the gospel is. And it's what Paul is telling them. It's what Paul is telling them. I remember when I first started my church planting residency, I'm looking through the Bible, this is what church planting is. You go into a city, you bring the gospel to people, people come to faith, other Christians come, they join you on your mission. And I remember sitting in my car in front of the gym being like, well, I wanna plant a church that's evangelistic. Guess who has to become evangelistic? And so I walked in and I got some phone numbers from the guys hanging out behind the front desk. They invited me out that, that weekend, hanging out with them. Eventually, one of them starts going through something hard and we go through the book of Luke together. He comes to faith. He comes to faith not because of me, but because he sees the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God, the power of salvation for all who believe. He comes to faith. Another guy, actually one of his friends, we go through Mark together. And at the end, we go through Mark, 16 weeks, work through chapter by chapter by chapter. At the end, I challenge him, like, dude, you know who Jesus is? What do you say? And he wasn't ready to count the cost. He was like, man, I just, I just don't think I'm there yet. And I was like, that's okay. Just remember, the day's never gonna come where you're good enough. But I do appreciate how seriously you're taking it. And by the way, that story's not over, so pray for that guy. And so I'm learning to become evangelistic, learning to become evangelistic. The gospel brings persecution, but it also brings passion. And, and at the end of 21, we see Paul go back to the cities that persecuted him. He goes back to those cities for the sake of those unbelievers and for the sake of the believers. The gospel brings persecution. The gospel brings um, passion. And here's the last one. The gospel brings planting. Look at verse 22. He goes back through those cities, and it says he strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. I wonder why he said that. It's not like he experienced any near-death experiences recently. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And look at how it ends in verse 23. 
And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Appointed elders in these cities where they had preached and people came to faith. Now you got this little local group of people that believe in Jesus. So let's summarize here. What, ha what has happened? Paul and Barnabas go to cities. They preach the explicit gospel. Hey, there's a guy named Jesus. Hey, he's pursuing you. Hey, he wants to make all things new in your life. Then people come to faith. There's some persecution, there's some difficulty, but you know what, they persevere. And then they keep going and they strengthen, that those disciples grow and they mature. Then they raise up leaders in that church. You know what we call that? Church planting. Church planting, the local church. People living on mission and making disciples. This is plan A, you guys. This is the methodology that God gives to his people. This is the methodology. And don't forget, it was a local church plant that sent Paul out, okay? The gospel brought persecution, which we can expect, but the main idea is this. It brings persecution, but it also brings passion to push through. It, bring, it brings light to your eyes, as Psalm 18 says. And it also brings planting. 16 years ago, in fact, Angel and his wife and eight, I think there's a total of eight of you, right? 16 years ago, there was a plant here Sometimes we overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in 16. Amen? And because of that, generations will be different. Because of that, entire family units will be different. Because of that, the lost have been found, the suffering have been comforted, and people have stepped into their purpose. And it's what God has called me and my team to do as well. This is the gospel of grace. So what about you? Because there was a church that sent these guys. We got senders and we got goers. We can't all go, otherwise we'd have to send people back here anyway. We got senders and we got goers. Where has God called you to make disciples? I want you to close your eyes for a second. I want you to picture people. I want you to picture people that the spirit of the living God is bringing to your heart right now. And I want you to think about Jesus's mission make disciples. And I want you to ask for the courage to do that in continued new ways so that families change and lives change. The friend that you love, they need the gospel. They need to hear it. Uncage the lion of Judah in front of you. He's the one that saves, not you. And so thank you, Mosaic Church, for the chance to encourage you guys through the word today. And, and I just, it's the gospel that drives us, is it not? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is worth it. The cost is sometimes high, but the reward is worth the price. It's always worth the price. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for who you are. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to Thank you for seeking us out. Thank you for paying our debt. Thank you for your patience with us, your pursuit of us. Thank you for your kindness, God. Thank you for not leaving us the same. Lord Jesus, we don't take you for granted. You are the meaning of life. You are the creator. We wake up because you determine it. You give us breath. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fall on us afresh today. Give us vision for the people that you want to save through us. 
Give us names. Give us zeal. Give us passion. Help us to persevere when the going gets tough and when we face opposition. And God, let us see plants, plants that grow and change lives. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and sing with us? second, but I'm going to invite you to take your seat real quick, and I'm going to ask, I know we've got a couple of our trustees here today. Uh, would you guys come on up? I want to pray for Adam and his, his family and, and what he's about to do. So Brian and John, would you guys come on up? Do we have anybody other? I don't see anybody else. Diane, will you come up also? Come on up, Adam. So Adam, he just told me this in the hallway. He said, uh, I'm 35 years old. And I was 35 when we started Mosaic. And so this guy reminds me of myself so much, except he's slimmer and has hair. But besides that, he really does remind me of myself. And so I'm so thankful to be able to be a part of doing what's happening. And I just want to encourage you real quick. A lady uh, who is a spiritual giant told me one time, whenever the enemy cannot help but show himself. It's his, his spiritual you know, signature is pride, right? So he wants people to know what he's doing, especially when he's afraid to lose territory. And so when you're talking about, you know, barfing in the car and all that kind of stuff, uh, we, we've got stories like that too. And look what God has done. So be encouraged, man. He's, God's going to do it. Would you guys come on up? We're going to pray for this guy. I also want you guys to know that um, from the legacy offering that, you, that we get, took up last December, uh, Adam and his church are going to get some money from that. So let's pray. Father, thank you for that you're still calling uh, guys like Adam to plant and to pioneer new churches. I pray, Father, that you would go ahead of him, that you would provide all of the resources he needs, that you would start to stir the hearts of people in Denver to come alongside him, Lord, and to help him do this great work. And I pray that generationally, years and years from now, people would look back and say, if it wasn't for Adam and his family and the work they did, Denver never would have changed. So I pray, Father, that you go ahead of him, that you go alongside him, and that you walk in him. Give him everything he needs to do everything you've called him to do. We trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wow, what a great message. You know, if we got anything out of that, the answer is Jesus. And he is worth it. And so the whole reason that Mosaic Church exists is just to connect people to Jesus and help them grow in their faith. And so we're going to give you an opportunity to do just that. There's nothing magical about the words that we're gonna say, but it's actually your heart behind them. And so if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes with me and repeat these words. God, thank you for loving me. 
and sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I ask that you come into my heart, but not only my heart, but every area in my life. Help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer for the first time today, I wanna say congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. We are so excited. If you would do us a favor, we just wanna help you on this salvation journey. If you would take out your smartphone and scan that QR code that is on the screen, we just wanna send you a gift just to help you on that journey. Uh, we have a couple quick announcements. We are having Discover Mosaic next Sunday at 5 p.m. If you say, what is Discover Mosaic? It's just a time that we have dinner with you, you get to meet the staff, you get to know a little bit more about who Mosaic is and um, how we run things here. So if you are new to the church or you've just never come, I encourage you to come out. Uh, if you'd like to sign up for that event, if you would also scan on that QR code and click on Discover Mosaic. Also, we are going to start our connect groups on September 17th. And so we are looking for connect group posts. You should have received a paper, something like this when you came in. You don't need to be a, a preacher to be a connect group host. You just have to have um, something in common or like to eat or do something else and know how to pray. And so if you'd like to be a host, if you would just sign up and we also do have a training. So I promise you, we're not gonna just leave you out there in the lurch, uh, but if you would sign up. Also, we have worship night next Sunday at 7 p.m. You do not wanna miss it. It is a great time in the presence of the Lord. So please come on out. It will be great. And last but not least, we are having Mosaic Suite 16 on September 16th. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, so we are going to have combined services, Spanish and English, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. So start making plans for that. And with that, uh, we are going to end our service with this morning's tithe and offering. If you would like to give, there are four ways to give up there on the screen. Um, and just this offering, Mosaic is a generous church, and we just wanna continue to be able to support people like Adam and support new churches and spread the gospel, and we are only able to do that with your help. And so let's just pray over this morning's tithe and offering. Dear God, I just thank you for each and every person that is here. I pray, Lord God, that you would just bless their finances, Lord God. I pray that you would just use this offering, multiply it, use it, God, to bring people into your kingdom, Father. And I just pray right now, Father, for each and every person as we go out of these doors, Lord God, that we would just carry this message with us in our hearts, Lord God, and remember the reason that you came to die for us, Lord Jesus. We love you and we praise you today. In your holy name we, amen. We love you, Mosaic. You have a wonderful Sunday. If you are in need of prayer, we are going to have members of our prayer team here in the front. So if you need more prayer, just come on up.